Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Joanna Koho and I'm your host for this episode. Now, each episode of Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, actually anything under the sun. So we'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experiences and also some practical ideas. We hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Now, today we are going to be talking about my child's mental health. I know this is the buzzword these days. Um, uh, we are all worried about you know the state of affairs regards to our kids and we're going to jump straight into the topic in a while uh, but let me just introduce our guests for today uh, first and foremost we have Karis Patrick Karis welcome back to the Parent Ed Podcast I know you're one of our hi, first hi, uh, guests <laughs> yeah together at, at that part time together with your daughter right and today we have the privilege of having your son uh, now Karis uh, for those of you who uh, don't know her yet uh, I have not heard her previous podcast when she was on our show. Uh, Karis has uh, tons of clinical experience, okay, two decades already. Uh, she she is, uh, of course, um, she, I mean, in terms of professional uh, accreditation, you know, she's done the whole gamut in the health profession, name it, and she's probably done it. Um, but right now she's a clinical or psychotherapist in private practice and uh, mainly dealing with um, uh, marital and parenting issues, family issues, and with that, working with children and youth with uh, behavioral problems. Um, and I guess also, probably mental health issues. And she's, of course, uh, married for uh, almost two decades now and with four kids. And she has, uh, maybe Karis, I could get you to introduce your your firstborn. Yes, right. So with us on the show is my firstborn, Sean. Uh, so he's 18 this year. Um, he's currently with the sports school, but doing his poly education uh, with the sports school and uh, pursuing his his uh, triathlon uh, sporting passion as well. Uh, so that's that's him, my firstborn. Being a mom of four, right? Uh, like, how is Sean? You know, similar or different to your other kids in in terms of how it's been raising him and. So I have four children, uh, Sean uh, being my firstborn. Uh, my only girl is 16. I have two younger boys, 13 and also 11, my youngest. Uh, I will tell you for sure, each and every one of them are very different. And I think um, typically as a firstborn, I would I would first be, conf- uh, be the one to confess that uh, as a young mother, then uh, I put a lot of expectation on him. Because, you know, when we're inexperienced, we, we thought we want to just give them the very best. And surely I gave him, I think I gave him my all. And, and in, in doing that, I also expect him to give him his all. Give me his all, you know. And so I would say as the firstborn, uh, he suffered quite a bit <laughs> in his growing up years with my very good intention. Uh, I have very high expectation of him uh, simply because... I'm on the mode of wanting to help him maximize his potential. And I think he did quite brilliantly in his uh, growing up years. Uh, but it, it eventually, you know, uh, I have to learn to kind of let go and also let him have his own autonomy. And that's quite a journey for me, even as, as a mother and even as a professional, uh, to recognize mm-hmm. recognize that and being willing to take that step to kind of lose my grip and kind of let him go so he can grow. Wow, thanks for sharing, Karis. Sean, you know, if you could describe yourself in maybe, I don't know, three words, uh, how would you describe yourself? 
And then after that, use uh, another three words to describe mom. If I could describe myself in three words, it would definitely be compassionate, <laughs> caring, and last but not least, friendly. friendly. All these three words. Was it str- Friendly, friendly, friendly. Oh, friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You look pretty trendy no. too, actually. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I know our listeners can't, can't see us, you know, but like as, as Sean was describing himself, Karis uh, was like nodding, nodding, nodding. So I, I, I guess you have really good high self-awareness, Sean. <laughs> Maybe you'd like to describe you. uh, your mom, you know, how's mom like? I would say that she's, okay, she's also very caring, very diligent. And then motherly. <laughs> I was one, was waiting to see if like Tiger Mom would come out or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I I won't, I won't say Tiger Mom because right now as of now like she's like pretty relaxed with me and like I'm 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 really it's fine now. Yeah. Now now it's oh, okay. You oh. you see just like now it was not always like that. Yeah, I mean when I was growing up, uh, as my mom said, she did put a lot of pressure on me, you know, being the firstborn and all. So. I, I guess that made me feel like she was a tiger mom, right? And because of that, like <laughs> there was like a lot of things in my life. There were, like there's a piano, there was like um, swimming, and then like I had to balance all these things. And then my mom would constantly be on my back about these kind of things. Wow. Okay, so Karis, today you are transformed. <laughs> <laughs> and still transforming. I think that's really good news. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, and I mean, since Sean described me, right, I think I owe it to him to also tell him how I experienced him. So I think a lot of people who know him will feel like he's like a man of few words. And actually, t- to many people, he may look cold on the outside. But I think like the three words he described, I do get to experience. I'm very thankful I get to experience uh, a part of him that inside very warm, very compassionate, and very caring. In a way that I feel if people don't know him well enough, may not discover that part of him. Yeah, so so that's how I experienced you, Sean, and I'm really glad I, I get to kind of know that part of you. It, it looks like it was also a transformation in your parent-child relationship. Uh, was it something that you specifically talked about? And and since today, you know, we're here to talk about uh, mental health. Um, you know, how did how was mental health actually first brought up in the family? Is it a conversation topic, or you know, how mm. how did it surface? I must uh, say that, you know, part of the occupational hazard when when your children know that your mother is a psychotherapist or a therapist, I, I don't know whether that help or doesn't help. But initially, I think as my children would expect me to be really caring, very understanding, you know, the typical adjective you use to describe a counsellor or a therapist. Uh, and I wonder whether that can cause them to want to open up to talk to me more. Uh, or actually, they they would think that they want to shun away. Um, but like as you have mentioned and observed, I have transformed quite a bit in my own parenting journey. Uh, whatever Sean described, you know, being at his back, pressurizing him to achieve. I, I tell you what's the most confusing, okay? When I was doing that, I was so convinced I'm, I'm doing the best I could. I am so convinced I'm doing it with the best of intention. And those are still true today when I look back. But I have no idea uh, that it, it is actually causing him so much stress and pressure because when I come at him so hard as a tiger mom, I think he also cannot believe or feel safe enough to say that he could open up his heart and tell me how much he's struggling. 
so I think mm. it's later part in his teenage years. Uh, then he's also boarding with sports school. Uh, the contact time, on, honestly, is very limited. So uh, what what really helped was when we ferry him to and fro. So in the car ride, it's quite a distance to travel all the way to Woodlands. Uh, he has kind of learned that that is his safe space and he begin to open up and share whenever he's going through a rough patch. And when I kind of learned to listen in and tune in, not just asking about how, uh, schoolwork, uh, academic results, swimming performance, you know, I begin to listen to his heart. Then I, I think he felt safer and he was able to open up to then share with me his struggle and how he find uh, different seasons, uh, different things that are very challenging from social relationship, from discrimination uh, to being in a very competitive sport. So that's how I kind of discover. And then every time, uh, every week I get to send him or pick him, then we had long conversations about that. Yeah, that's how I think we begin to kind of broach the subject. Sean, was it, um, I mean, this whole area of like even talking about, you know, mental health or things that you you might be going through, uh, you know, was it uh, an issue that you had felt for quite some time before it, you know, finally found Mm. a platform where you could surface it? Yeah, I guess I guess um us as teenagers, right, we don't really want to like talk to our parents. I don't know what what's this thing like. I, I guess it's like it's um how like you guys wanna have your private space but then you don't know where to draw the line between like I need I need to ask for help and like I can manage this by myself. I guess us as teenagers like we don't really want to like like go and like tell our parents these kind of things. Or you know what? Um yeah, like I can just handle it myself. And then the problem also comes when like you don't know how to like diagnose it like you could just think like oh i'm just feeling sad today it's like oh i just feel like a bit like nervous or like panicky and then like you think like it's okay yeah so like i think that's that's where like it gets complicated i guess i i first came to my mother and then like i i think the first thing that allowed me to open up was like my mom herself said that like she she experienced me as having like a bit of anxiety or like like she like i was constantly in a very low state and like low mood you know whenever i come from school and then i would just brush it off as tired and stuff like that but then like my mom kept like coming to me. I feel that you're, like you might have anxiety. I feel like like you you're in a low mood and stuff like that. I was just like, okay, and then I became more and more open to the idea that okay, maybe I have and and what really helped me with it was that I found out that it's not very uncommon. It was very common for like teenagers mm-hmm. to have these kind of things, and so therefore like I was more inclined to like accept like oh you know what maybe you do actually have it, and then like yeah, went to go and get the help that I need kind of thing. Yeah. Mm, when when Sean eventually opened up and shared, I consistently observed over a period of time that uh, he showed up as very low energy and I start using the, the name to say that uh, there's a possibility you may be depressed. You know, it could be just depressive episodes, uh, but you're also showing signs of anxiety because he would ever so often has a stomach ache. Um, and and he knows it's not because of food poisoning. He knows it's not. It's, it's just always related to either uh, performance anxiety, be it uh, at the sports uh, that he's doing, or maybe some social anxiety. Uh, because I think there was a season it was a little bit rough for him in the beginning years when he was at boarding in school. Uh, everybody are just like teenager trying to go through their own identity crisis, and then when I start to kind of name it, it becomes a handle for both of us to talk about it. And I begin to normalize it and say that, um, like he said, he then observed for himself that it's not uncommon for teenagers to go through that. 
then I suggested lah that maybe if you think you're comfortable to talk to me, you know, but mommy can never be very objective because I'll be a little bit more uh, worried for you because I'm your mother. There's this additional emotional attachment that if it's open, then uh, I'll connect him to professional help. I think it is very helpful to just have a safe space to be himself and, and kind of freely express his concerns. And I'm very thankful he's open, you know. And and to me, uh, going going to see a therapist is just a way of taking very good care of ourselves. It's just about doing self work and and helping yourself to become better version of you. And so when he's open, then I quickly find one and connect him. And I think he had some very fruitful sessions with his therapist. Yeah, uh, and I think that kind of helped. So Sean, um, what made you kind of like come out of your shell? Was it like? really solely your mom or at the same time you know you were also becoming I don't know more educated about mental health through school um, it was like um, when I was in school and then I would go through certain things I'll, I'll feel that like oh it's what I'm feeling normal it's like oh there's like everybody like um, feel this kind of like this this much anxiety or like anxiousness when I've been facing this situation or like why is everybody else so calm and like, you know, I start to realize that like there, there's sometimes that like my reaction is different from others or like even when everybody's happy, then it's like, why am I not as happy as like the rest? It's like, why do I like, or why do why why can't I find like that motivation in life? Yeah. Why do I find that it's sometimes kind of meaningless, you know? I mean, and then while my friend are, my friends are out there like pursuing sports and like, like being motivated and stuff. So I, I guess I kind of struggle with like understanding why. Like my friends are like that and why I couldn't be like that. Like along with what my mother said, together it kind of gave me that like foundation to like start going to see what's wrong with me. Yeah. Mm. So I guess it's really that question of like what's wrong with me or why why can't I feel this way or like why do I feel this way when others don't kind of thing. Do yeah. you feel that like talking about it is somewhat taboo? I wouldn't say that it is taboo. I was just like not very educated in like how these kind of like um, people with suffering from mental disabilities so like, I couldn't compare myself to them and so mm. yeah I, I was actually quite open to talk about it and like you know just explore whether I actually do have it because I was quite curious initially and stuff yeah but I also feel that like as Singaporeans we are not very educated in mental health and like mental health symptoms and stuff like that if I was more aware mm. I could have like noticed it sooner. Karis does like stigma apply to you or as a parent or I mean, I know you're mm. a therapist and you deal with such issues from clients. How was the experience like going through it yourself and having it at home? Yeah, I think stigma and taboo is a very real thing even up until today. Uh, definitely has in, improved leaps and bounds from 20 years ago when I started tra- practicing. It's almost like really a dirty word, you know, to, 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 to acknowledge mm. that I am depressed. Um, but there is still stigma and taboo. I mean, even in my own family, I think it takes a little bit longer for my husband to acknowledge that really is that depressed? Actually, he's not just lazy or or like you know <laughs> right, finding right. excuses. And it's very easy to go there. And and actually, for a long time now, I've removed the word lazy from my dictionary because if you do understand human functioning, no human being alive wants to be lazy. No one. And the, the moment they lose motivation, they lost hope, they see no meaning in what they do and they become not motivated at all, it's because something is going on on the inside. Something has happened to them that they begin to feel like um, they, they cannot cope, but they don't have the language to say it. And so I think Sean is right mm-hmm. to say that even at the awareness level, it's, it's not great because People are very hesitant to land on using the language of I'm depressed, I have anxiety. 
it, it's still taboo. So people don't want to go there. They just say, oh, I'm just tired. I feel stressed. Stress is very like uh, digestible. <laughs> but anxious mm-hmm. and depressed seems to be more a taboo word somehow. Uh, so in my work with my clients, it's the same. Usually uh, the young people will come in and they'll start to tell me uh, ex- uh, all the symptoms they're experiencing. And when I have to connect with the parents, they'll first frown on it. And the, the very common question is then they ask, are you sure? Are you sure this is depression? I mm. say, I know enough to know that your child is not in a good space and I want to immediately tell you that's not because your child is lazy or he or she's trying to find a way out not to be in school. It's very easy to go there. And when the child feels so misunderstood, the door is closed. You can no longer have open and transparent communication mm. because there's no trust. They feel judgment. And I, right. I get it. Many parents don't usually want to come from a judging space. But by the time we doubt and start to ask, are you sure this is depression? Are you sure my child has anxiety issue? The moment you doubt, they already feel the judging energy. So I think we have to be very careful um, and, and giving a, providing a safe space for your child to be seen, heard and understood. It's so important. And you don't have to agree with them. You just need to be very open and begin the whole space and let them come forth to tell you what's their challenges, what's their difficulty, why are they so resistant to doing a specific thing. And you you just empathize. And even if you cannot empathize, you feel very triggered, then don't open your mouth first. Sit there (laughs) and then learn to calm down. And if you think you cannot cope, bring in a more objective person that is able to hold space so that your child can feel he or she is being seen and understood. And I think that's so important. Because the moment when the child is able to feel seen, heard and understood, their psychological safety, the child open up and in that space, he or she can feel like they can exist for who they are. That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. If not, no help can come to them because they don't trust. They don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Just for our listeners out there, if you have any other questions, you know, and maybe today's uh, podcast, I know has been a, 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 a full of information. If there are any other areas that we can help you with, you can always write to us at parent at, that's parent with an ed at family.org.sg. Or you can check us out uh, on Facebook or Instagram on the social media uh, that would be focused on the family.sg. Uh, on Facebook and our Instagram handle is Thriving Family SG. Uh, we have a webinar coming out in July that uh, is going to address another kind of resilience, and this is uh, about relational health as well as sexual intelligence. Uh, you might want to check that out, and you can go to our website, family.org.sg, to do so. So, thank you so much, uh, Karis and Sean, for today's sharing. Uh, and I really hope for all parents out there and also your children that, you know, together working collectively as a, a family, as a, a loving unit that we are supposed to be, uh, we can indeed tackle our child's mental health and ensure the best outcomes. And so thank you so much for tuning into the Parent Ed Podcast.